If you're an Android user and you're seeking a new podcast app, you should check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. You favorite your favorite shows, they download instantly when they're uploaded, and you don't have to ever think about what day does that show come out, how do I get it, when is it, you do the one step and it's there for good. There's thousands of positive reviews, so take a look at the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store and see if it's right for you. It's basically the Ronco app for podcasts. <laughs> you set it and forget it. Exactly. Set it and forget it. It is the holiday season. This is our annual Christmas episode. And uh, before we get into that, do have some big news on the Patreon front. We wanted to talk to everybody about that. Bear with us a minute here as we talk about some cool new stuff happening. Uh, the first is this. From now on, thanks to the request from our first ever Patreon supporter, Michelle, uh, she asked if we could come up with uh, stickers for the show, and uh, we are going to have stickers. So anybody who signs up for Patreon will get a sticker. Uh, that includes international listeners, because apparently you can ship a single piece of paper, like an envelope, overseas for less money than I thought. But we are going to lose money if you sign up at the $2 level and immediately leave once you get your sticker. So be nice to your podcast friends, I guess is what I would say. The other thing is that the $10 tier closes its doors. So whoever's in the club stays in the club, but no new entrance after 11.59.59 on December 31st of 2019. Monkey so this, day. <laughs> what? Trading places. I just listened to that podcast oh, again. Oh, yes. So the clock strikes midnight. Old Lang Syne and no more $10 a month level. So anyone who's in it, you're, nothing changes. You can stay there as long as you want. We're never going to kick you out. There's no closing time at the $10 a month club once you're in it. But you must be in it by December 31st, 11.59, 11.59, New Year, no more tier. Why are we doing that? Well, we have a new idea, and we think the $5 a month is the most logical way to execute it. Uh, we're going to keep the $2 tier as it is. You sign up at the $2 tier, you get the monthly newsletter, you, easy way to support us, very inexpensive way, and we appreciate that absolutely. Um, for a few bucks more at the $5 a month tier, we are going to, once we get enough of you, start something really big, and that is every single month will be a bonus episode on the Patreon. Uh, they might be television, but they won't all be television. Uh, just for time constraints, it may be easier for us. Where it's only the two of us, it's a lot of work to make hey, this show. One year might be just one episode per season of Murder She Wrote because there's twelve seasons. <laughs> uh, we haven't figured out fully, but I think it's going to primarily be episodes of the regular show that you like to listen to us talking about movies. Um, so we will have that. It'll be publicly trackable. You'll be able to see like how close we are to it. But basically, once we hit that threshold, as long as we stay above it, it'll be a monthly episode for everybody. So uh, if you're at the $5 tier or if you're someone who made it into the club, the $10 club, before it closed its doors to new members, um, you'll be able to, to get that. Um, anybody at the $5 tier or higher will get that. But we'll do – once we get it, hit the threshold, we'll do um, – a bonus episode every single month. So that's extra content every month of the show that you like. Uh, we're trying something a little different. We're taking a, a stab here to see if you'll follow us. If we build it, will you come? We don't know. Uh, we're, we, I thought about doing this good cop, bad cop, because that seems to be very effective in terms of getting the reviews in. Yeah, apparently. 
Uh, we got another one, which I will get to eventually, but uh, apparently you like it when I yell at you, which I don't want to parse the, the whole thing, but I don't know what that says about all of you that you like it when your podcast friend yells at you. But instead of that, I'm just going to tell you nicely what we're doing and we'll see. Maybe I need to yell about the Patreon. I guess it's better than a podcast friend releasing Michael Myers. That's true. That's true. That was really funny on the rewatch. I watched that for Halloween this year and I, I really enjoyed the uh, that part of it. Like, of course, the, you're true crime they podcasters. Were, right, exactly. Yeah, I thought that was a hoot. Anyway, so the New Deal, there'll be the $2 tier, the $5 tier. There will still be that $188 tier. So if you miss out and you want to get your your special request in, that will, option will be available for one person. Uh, but Because you also get, a, we also vinyl press an episode. Two episodes, would it be? No, uh, one episode. It's just half, half. Yeah, it's it. Well, so <laughs> the full length of a vinyl that you can have custom pressed is short. It's like forty minutes. Okay, so it would be a little so longer like than side. a live show usually. Yeah, yeah. But uh, on that Patreon note, the other tier, there, the other uh, squad goal, as it were, the other uh, group goal. Uh, will remain uh, at uh, we're four five dollar patrons um, away from a bonus commentary track. So if we hit that, we will still obviously do that. If we hit that quickly enough, we'll be in the same room and we'll do it power hour style. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. We'll drink some hard seltzers or something stupid and, and have a good time. Zimas. No, I think we'll drink. I well, you could drink whatever you want. I will be drinking probably Aldi brand hard seltzer. See, I just I love all the the puns with White Claw. Like apparently there were shirts for Thanksgiving that was White Claws while the turkey thaws. Mm. And like I'm he- uh, well, this I'm is here called Vista that. Bay. Vista Bay. This is called Vist- Vista Bay. So you can come up with your puns while we're doing our power hour. I'm sure. There's always a fray when you're drinking Vista Bay. Vista Bay Shit while the hips cray. sway. If you're watching, uh, if you're watching Ferris Bueller, shit gets cray when you drink Vista Bay. <laughs> Michael Myers will slay when you drink Vista Bay. Exactly. So anyway, we are four uh, five dollar a month patrons from from hitting that, and we will do that commentary track. Uh, but go check out Patreon.com/slash Dissecting the Eighties or two ten dollars if you want to sneak into that club. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we're t- we're twenty dollars away from the the triggering that triggering that uh, that that reward. So, um, and we did get a, a recent uh, sign up. Uh, our first Canadian, I believe, may, might be second Canadian. I don't want to be insulted. There, I think there was this person has a .ca address, so I know they are Canadian. Yes. Oh, speaking of, uh, if you haven't yet, if you are a Patreon supporter, make sure you put your address in there so I can send you a sticker. Otherwise, I can't do that. So check that out. Uh, Morgan G is is our Canadian patron. We may have another one. I just I'm not sure. But anyway, overnight some poutine. Uh, <laughs> that seems like it wouldn't hold up. But you can absolutely give it a try. not. Maybe not the French fries. Maybe separate curds and gravy, and I could put it together myself. Yeah, that works. Or a, a jar of curds and a bag of a, a, a jar of gravy and a bag of curds. Exactly. Anyway, we have gone on long enough about poutine. There's always um, time for poutine. How dare you? Patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. Uh, check it out. And if you want to do that $10 tier where after a year you get to pick an episode, sign up now because the doors are starting to close. You gotta, you're got you going to be like Indiana Jones reaching back for his hat at this point. There, Yeah. So check that out. And uh, we hope to see you over on the Patreon. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. 
And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who absolutely knows what you gotta do when the shitter is full, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Leno. I feel like when we watch movies that I love and have have such fondness for, it's almost hard to take notes because I already know a lot of my thoughts. Right, Like, when we inevitably do Gremlins, it's just gonna be my one-hour TED Talk of why Mrs. Peltzer's a feminist icon who's not appreciated enough. Honestly, most of it is so we don't skip things or go pat like do things in the right order. Yeah, I, I, feel I will like write the sing- structure single stru- like single sentence notes that just like and this happened. Right. Although I will say this movie um, more than I had remembered is way more sketchy semblance of scenes than I had thought about uh, it being. A little bit, yeah. Which is often something we criticize the movie for. I think here it largely holds together, but we'll we'll get into that as we go. Uh, but anyway, it is Christmas time, and we watched Christmas Vacation, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your carpet! Something's gonna happen with the water that's all over the carpet! When the mega powers explode! I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott! Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. The other thing with the Patreon is that this month is die hard. So if you want to hear us talking about, for my money, the greatest action movie of all time. Greatest Christmas movie? No, I said greatest action movie. I don't don't think... We'll talk about the Christmas movie thing on the Patreon. If they want to hear that, they have to pay for it. That's how good my thoughts are on this topic. Die hard and gremlins, baby. They're locked away, uh, but that is for anybody who signs up at the $5 a month tier. That episode will be up. It doesn't matter about hitting that goal that we were talking about or any of that. That is the bonus episode for this quarter. We got Chevy Chase. We got Beverly D'Angelo. No, we have a great theme song and an animated opening sequence. By Mavis Staples, no Yes. Yeah. I feel like we don't get enough of those in movies anymore. No, the movie theme song is a lost art. I feel like the last ones were Will Smith in like Wild Wild West. I feel like that killed the movie theme song. Because they weren't, I don't remember them being in the movie. Like they were the credit song, the ending credit song. Well, this is that. It's just an opening credit song. Yeah, but to me, like, I also like that it doesn't try and like tell me the plot of the movie. Does this? No, that's what I'm saying. This doesn't. Oh, oh. I like that this doesn't try and. I mean, does Wild Wild West talk about the plot? Isn't it just like Jim West, Desperado, Wicked Wild, Wicked Wicked Wild like Wild West? I don't remember because I haven't seen that movie in a long time because I respect myself. But I feel like the theme song had a lot like, this guy's the inventor and we're going to buy and I'm Jim West and I shoot guns. I think. I, I could be wrong. I. I it did have that, but I feel like it was like generic character descriptions and not like, this is the plot of the movie. Yeah, but this song is literally, it's Christmas Vacation. It's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I, but I think that song is like, it's a Wild Wild West. <laughs> like, I think that is the, I think the thesis of the Wild Wild West theme song is, the West is indeed Wild Wild. And then there was the Men in Black one. Which again is like, here come the Men in Black. Galaxy here Defenders. Come- yeah, so I don't think that he, I think that I would argue, and I haven't listened to either song in twenty years. Me neither. But, but my vague recollection is that these they are one and the same, cut from the same cloth. But you're right; I can't remember the other than James Bond, which still has like a honest to god theme song. They're so and good. Is honestly, Skyfall, man. Uh, 
guy saw some slaps. Of them are good. Some of them are good. Which ones don't I would wait, argue? Which new ones don't you like? That wh- who's the one that everybody Sam Smith uh, gives? Cre- yeah, you don't him. like the, same, the writing on the wall? N- no. Ah, oh, I love the I love writing on the wall. I, Skyfall is my favorite of the new ones, but I do love writing on the wall. I'm outing myself for being a low attention span person, but watching a James Bond movie in the theater uh, is one of the most excruciating experiences because you have to sit through. It's like cold open and then a four minute sequence where you're just like, I just want to watch him do spy stuff. Yeah, but the music, I mean, all they all kind of sound the same and I'm totally okay with that. But like it sets the mood for what you're in for. I I, and then Shirley Bassey like sang my, Goldfinger at the Oscars like ten years ago, and she still had it. This is my that's this is my James Bond plan. I'm gonna let you all in on a secret. This is what you do: you don't take your normal pre movie bathroom break. Okay, well, okay, starting over. First, you buy your tickets in advance. You show up 15 minutes to 17 minutes after the posted start time, which is when the trailers end, because you're a movie nerd and you watch them all online anyway. You watch the cold open. You go have your pee. You come back and the song is ending. And then you watch your two plus hours of James Bond because God knows that movie's going to be two and a half hours long. Yeah. Well, it's like when we went to go see Mary Poppins and you were like, I'll go during the first song. And I was like, you know, it's going to open with a song, right? You're like, I'll go during the first song. And I was like, they have that's going to be the opening song that establishes the whole movie. And you were like, did they do that? Yes. It was the lighting oh, of the lamps and friggin' Lynn Manuel oh, on his yeah, bike. Yeah. Yeah, I did go to the second song. That was like perfect timing. It's like musicals and action scene action movies have that in common where it's like whenever they do the thing that is on the tin, I can take my break. So it's like, oh, Iron Man is going to have a fight. I'm like, time to have a pee. This is Trips pee time. You're you're uh, you're being mean to musicals right now. No, I. it's just like the, I like you're when you're doing your your like slow sad ballad song is my time for a break because i don't need it i'm not here for that it's telling you story right but when it's like cheer up charlie i'm like that's you know different cheer up charlie up. can get the fuck out I'm, well that's i wait for the cheer up charlie and then i go hit the head yeah cheer up charlie i don't do that i i need to work i'm gonna watch this segue here i got i got a lasso around the moon here uh-huh. i don't i don't do that during the christmas vacation song because it is a banger and they don't tease me by like getting me primed and ready for movie and then do the song which i like here it's a silly little intro you're just watching it Cute cartoon you haven't been yeah but you haven't been like oh here's the fun family adventure that you're dying to get back to it's like it's about to be a fun family adventure here's santa claus getting stuck in a chimney mm-hmm. And here's a list of this amazing cast we've pulled together. It is quite like good. Almost everyone in this is a big name for something f- to someone. Yeah, for sure. Um, you got your Johnny Galecki and your Juliet Lewis. Thank you so much. I was like, it's a J. Erica I was about to be Raymond like a from the Gem and the Holograms movie. I think we all know her from. But I was about to be doing the psychic stuff where I was like, it's a J. I'm getting a J name. Is there anybody over here with a J? She was in uh, uh, She was in Cape Fear. I'm, I'm seeing Cape yes, Fear. Yes, yes. She was like way too young and overly sexualized. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, seeing, really I'm seeing her in a duck rewatch. costume. I'm seeing her in a duck costume. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that's that's your two kids this time around. The, the kids famously changing every single time. So they stay the same age. Which is interesting because in Vegas Vacation they are way older. Yeah, I guess they were like, no, we got to revamp the series. 
Yeah, I, I like. I figure at the point at which uh, you do Vegas vacation, you're like Johnny Galecki probably could have been got, but didn't. Sorry, bud. Grow that much? He did not. <laughs> and so it, it was one short guy to like, another. You didn't. <laughs> this is kind of where he topped out. So I could see because Chevy Chase is so tall, like wanting a taller boy to to and the and the actress who plays Audrey is on the taller side too. Yeah. And now she's uh, playing uh, Veronica Lodge's mom on Riverdale. Is that right? Yeah, that's who she is. Oh wow! All the uh, all the parents on Riverdale are like were famous teens. <laughs> sure being well, audrey not Griswold. famous but like we're like <laughs> I, I i think she was did other stuff i don't know what it is but i think she did other stuff but it's like luke perry and um yeah and uh the, uh, the hot guy who's married to kelly ripa uh he's hispanic mark consuelos <laughs> what I, I don't I don't know who I like I like if you put a gun to my head I couldn't pick Mark Consuelos out of a lineup. He's very dreamy and his son looks like the small version of him and it's hilarious and hot. Do you know Luke Perry's kids a wrestler? Didn't know that. That's super cool. Yeah, he he wrestles uh, as Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Hmm. His tag team partner is a dinosaur. Like in a blow up costume. Nope, it's a guy with the luchador mask that's a dinosaur, and the gimmick is that he is a dinosaur. I'm on board. It's not like he's a guy pretending to be a dinosaur. It's that he is a It's a Theodore Rex situation? Yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, that has been the wrestling corner for this. We're so meandering. We got to get this train at least in the semblance of a track. Well, the, the cast uh, also includes the original Betty Boop. And Dr. Finkelstein Who's, from Nightmare Before Christmas. The original Betty Boop, is that the crazy... That's Aunt, Aunt Bethany, yeah. Okay. You can hear, once I say it, you can hear it. Absolutely. She's got that, like, kind of squeaky quality to her voice. Uh, so... Always forget this is John Hughes. Yes. Uh, the beginning of this movie is cut and scored like a horror movie. It, it is. It could very much be a horror movie. A large portion of the movie, frankly, has that feel. Clark with the chainsaw later is very horror movie. The icicle in the neighbor's house is very horror movie. A lot of the beats here feel horror, but just like slightly turned left into comedy. Did anyone on YouTube ever uh, cut this to be a horror trailer? I mean, I'm sure. I never saw it, but I, it wouldn't shock me. Because I remember the Mary Poppins one was really famous to tie back to what we were talking about before. Yeah, the one I really remember was the the Shining as a like a rom com. That was I thought it was Jaws. No, no, no it was the Shining recut to Salisbury Hill. Oh, because I remember Jaws Where, recut as a rom com that I love too. Yeah, that seems like it would also be funny. Um, so we're doing this really good car dodging bit where Clark is like getting into it with these two redneck guys, and they're the classic uh, car shenanigans that happen in every vacation movie. Right, right. And they're uh, like passing each other. And then Clark pulls under the, the log truck, which I is still an awesome looking stunt. Has that ever really been great. busted? I, when you if you ever drive by any sort of truck like this, mm-hmm. you will see that there is no way that that would happen. No clear. It would be insane. Yeah, it would be insane for it to be physically possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it is a great gag, and here the the stunt driving is awesome. Like, oh my god, the the, the, the insanity of doing this is it's just unbelievably dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if they built something. 
I mean, my assumption is they were driving very slow and they sped the film up to make it look good, but that it was probably like a radio situation of like everybody was in communication with each other and, mm. you know, very much coordinating speeds and, and all those things. I'm sure they did it as safely as possible, but if it's miniature, it fooled me and I, I feel like I, well, can I definitely don't think it's miniature, miniature, but I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they built like a rig that the like. That would be logical that there would be like a car suspended underneath so you didn't mm-hmm. have to do that. But it, however it was done, it's it great. certainly had some level of danger and it looks rad as hell. I once again reminded that Chev and Bev work so damn well together. Yeah. And it's funny because he is like such a notorious asshole. It's like she must just be like really good at putting up with stuff. He drove Chris Columbus off this movie. Yeah. he. I mean, he's a tyrant maniac. Chris- and, and I like... Chris came in for a week, did two establishing shots that are allegedly still in the movie, and was like, I know I need work. I know I need money. I will not work with him. Yeah. And they were and like, I, fine, I, here's Home Alone instead. Yeah. I get it. I get it. He, like, every story you read about Chevy Chase is like, he's a horse's ass. So, uh, it's a shame. I totally he's understand. So funny. Yeah. But I, he definitely like hit a point where it just was diminishing returns and couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah. Uh, my favorite bit of physical comedy in this opening segment, uh, though, is they do the like bit where the car goes off the snow embankment and kind of crashes. And then we cut to everybody in the car and the kids are upside down in the front seat. Legs up in I the air. I just love. Uh-huh. It's just a perfect little bit of like you don't see the moment happening and it's funnier that you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we go to we're tromping through the snow trying to find our tree this always confused me because they crashed through a sign that says trees and so i always i was like oh it's like some kind of tree farm yes it is but then like why because the tree farms we went to growing up were like a lot it was one lot that had like they're not they're not at the tree farm Oh, they're not. That's, uh, they crash through the no, sign, so I was confused. They they literally crash into a tree farm. That's why Rusty is like, Dad, weren't there trees at that farm? And he's like, no, son, we're doing the old-fashioned Oh, we're gotcha. Like I, thought he said, I thought he was just saying, yeah. isn't that why they invented tree farms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, that, they're arguing over the, this exact point. Uh, but my, I love the bit with Juliette Lewis where it's like her eyes are frozen and she I can't, can't feel my feet. Can't even, I can't feel my legs. Yeah. I can't feel my hips. And she just gets more and more up. And then they get to the close-up of her, and her eyes are frozen open, and it's just like a really solid bit of micro acting from from. Uh, there's Jul- she's got great Lewis? moments, Julia Lewis. Lewis. Uh-huh. Yeah, but she's got great moments because there's one later in the movie that I wrote down. I was just like, I had to rewind. I was like, look at that face. That's telling you everything you need to know with no words, and she's not even the center of attention. Yeah, she is a really great actress who does not get enough credit. And had a weird gap where she disappeared, which now, like, knowing what we know about Hollywood, I assume is because, like, some disgusting person tried to force himself on her and then she stopped getting work. Yeah. Uh, which is sadly the story of, like, every 90s actress where you're like, I wonder what ever happened to this person. And you're like, oh, Harvey Weinstein tried to have sex with them and they wouldn't have sex Mira with them. Mira like, Well, yeah. But also, um, gosh, she was in Mallrats. Claire Forlani, who was like working really steadily up until the mid nineties. And then suddenly she got Harvey Weinstein into oblivion. Anyway, uh, those people are all scummy monsters. I hope that's not what happened to to Juliet Lewis, but, uh, that is just my hunch of her weird disappearing there in the late nineties. We get excellent use of the, uh, drum boing sound effect. Yes. Yes. Cause they all get to the tree and they're all happy. And then Rusty's like, dad, did you bring a saw? And as Clark's <laughs> face realizes he didn't, you hear the boing and just see yeah. smash cut to the tree dug out on top of the car. 
And it's honestly perfect for this movie because this is a Looney Tunes universe It's a Lampoon situation. movie. Right, right. But it, 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 like even like Lampoon movies have their own kind of irreverence and whatnot. But this movie, the Vacation series in particular, is like real Wile E. Coyote's business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think like, I, was looking, I was thinking about that. And I feel like that's why this movie, for the most part, holds up comedy-wise. Because like comedy ages like greek yogurt on a hot summer's day usually like sure. those yeah. are the first movies to be like Ugh. um and like there's a fa- a lot of the 80s <laughs> comedies that are like oh that no but yeah. for the most part this movie you're like i i still laugh at these jokes they're still it's kind of it's very firmly in the 80s but it's kind of timeless i think it's because this is very uh sitcom type setup in terms of like this could have been a three episode arc. Absolutely. But also the jokes are such that they're set up by something happening in the universe and then paying off in the universe. Like it's not pop culture references. It's not like, you don't know who the president is in this movie. You don't know like what the big political scandal of the day was. It's like Clark is a doofus and this woman is attractive and he gets tongue tied. And like, that is a thing that is not, there's no, there's nothing that can be aged about that unless he says something horrendous and in this case he doesn't say like i mean he doesn't say anything that i would say to another person in public probably but it's like doofus bumbly stuff and not misogynistic i don't think i mean i'm sure people might feel differently than me yeah i mean like it is because i will i like that when he does get tongue-tied with that woman she's not like fawning all over him she's clearly like (sighs) yeah but it's like, th- like she's a woman who works at a lingerie calendar. Like fifty percent of her day is doofus dads. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That would have been a fun twist that she like has her doofus dad spiel. Sure. Like if yeah. we had seen like, some like pre-prepared thing that she has for like doofus dads. Absolutely, like a good way to shut him down and get him out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get there in a second. But speaking of uh, the situation comedy thing. This line here with the tree where it's like, hey, Clark, where the hell are you going to put that thing with his yuppie neighbors? And he's like, bend over and I'll show you, which is just like a great all purpose. It's line. so good. And then, of course, he gets yucky with it by like, no, I meant her to Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Hey, she's also they're Both the neighbors are are awful people and they should both be verbally trust. Oh, they are terrible people. The other thing that I was thinking while watching this is like, man, Julia Louis-Dreyfus has made some brilliant choices as far as like this movie. This is a paycheck every November, December for the rest of your life or at least another decade. I mean, I don't know how long this will last. Presumably like 10 years from now, it'll probably peter out. But, you know, she got a 30 year period for 30. Yeah. 30 year period. Uh, This movie turns 30 this year. That's why we're doing it. Uh most of that 30 years, she's getting a fat check at the end of every year, which is like a nice Christmas bonus for yourself mm-hmm. to, to tie into the, the theme of this movie. And then has done two major television shows? Three. What's the third? She, the New Adventures of Old Christine oh, that, ran for like eight years. I was going to call that a minor one. I didn't realize that ran for so long. I, it was at least six seasons. I will check while we're talking, but sh- that show ran for more than five seasons. So that definitely I also like that you knew, I, you knew I was thinking of Seinfeld and Veep. And so you were like, here's yeah, well, the third because, one that you weren't thinking of. Yeah, absolutely, because everybody forgot about it. Um, and Clark Gregg was on that. Well, I remember that show being like a mom show. That was only five seasons. Sorry. That's that still was only five a respectable seasons. amount of seasons. It only did 88 episodes, but that is usually enough to be syndication if you hit five seasons. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't I don't know I like I don't have cable I don't know if that's like a TBS six o'clock show or something like that I have but no idea all I know is that for a while there's a show called Mom or Mother on Mom 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 with Allison Janney who I love and um the, who was the woman from the scary movies uh, Anna Faris thank you Anna Faris and I remember every time I see that show I'm like this show looks like it was create like created and instantly dropped into syndication slots like I oh, feel like this sure. show never ran. It just yeah. started in syndication. First run syndication like Star Trek used to be. Yeah, like that's what it feels like to me. And maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, what you're describing is called CBS programming. Oh, really? <laughs> Which is why that show airs on CBS. Yeah, every show on CBS is like <laughs> I know it's television for dumb people, but it's I don't know that I would even say dumb people. I think it's television for old people, but it's like it's like cop dramas where the cops are always the good guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, very safe comedies where there's probably very few LGBTQ characters. Or POC. Although I'm sure, yeah. Uh, and uh, a, a secondary listener base is really bad at me crack, cracking on CBS. I'm sorry. Um, and then football. Yes. Um, but we got this big old tree we chopped also it down apparently the, 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 the man neighbor was in trading places oh really yeah i think he said i saw it's on imdb his name was harry in trading places i don't know if he was like one of the yuppies at the racquetball yeah, club yeah, or i think what? he was one of the yep i was gonna say i think it was one of the racquetball dudes so clark trims this tree down and he brings it inside and it's all tied up with rope and it's like uh i think this tree is too big and it's like no 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 i got it and he cuts it of course Tree explodes. Really great visual gag of it, like blowing branches all over the house. Breaking but my windows. favorite is, yeah. But my favorite, and it's like a great visual gag. Like you, it's so beautifully set up in the way that these shots are designed. Where it's like he's got these scissors around the rope, and you're like, oh, I hundred percent know what this is about it's, to do. It looks like it's straight out of Home Alone. Yeah, but it it's perfectly set up and then perfectly paid off in terms of a visual joke where it's like, hey, audience, pay attention, it's about to happen. And it just it's a really nice mm-hmm. comedy visual. But my favorite is the immediate follow-up where they're in bed together and he can't get the paper off of his fingers so because sticky. of the sap. Yeah. Which is like if you've ever touched a tree, I remember we used to have like bad gloves for cutting down the yes. trees back when we were a cut down your own tree family. Where it was like you had you had gloves that were gonna get ruined, so you had the same pair every year. Mm-hmm. They also talk about how like the family's gonna be there for like a week for Christmas and Yeah, I just I talk could not survive that. I <laughs> no no I, ill intention with this statement. I absolutely could not survive that. No, it's it, once you have gone out to your own living situation being in someone else's home for more than a week is like eventually even if it's somewhere you're obviously like our childhood home is extremely comfortable but it's like i it's like i'm not this isn't my place anymore well, no i'm I meant, sleeping in a bed that's not my bed all of that family in one house oh, for, for one sure. week i couldn't do yeah. it yeah yeah no it's too many it's people two sets it's of grandparents voices. plus yeah. another family and then your family that's just a lot of people Right. And it's like, you're trying to have breakfast and it's a nightmare. You're trying to make a sandwich and it's a nightmare. And it's like, I just want to... I want to make me like a sandwich. Minutes. I don't want to make everyone a sandwich. <laughs> I want to make me a sandwich. And for like 20 minutes, I just don't want to talk to anybody. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Not, I like you all, but I just don't want to talk to you for 20 minutes. Excuse me, I'm going to lay down. Uh, but they're having this conversation in bed and she's like, oh, you set these standards that no thing could ever live up to. Like, how could you do this? You always do this. And then she mentions 
a wedding. And all I could think about was how perfect, instead of this like half tied in sequel with the, it's basically a remake of the first movie, wedding vacation. It's Rusty's wedding or it's Audrey's wedding. The whole family has to get together. You got the fights over whether Cousin Eddie gets invited. This was so obviously the fifth movie. I think it's because vacation, like, wedding vacation isn't, that's not a thing. Destination wedding. I know, but the problem is you you, you lose the word vacation. I think you'd have figured it out. I think that was a big holdup for it being part of the series canon. That's so obviously where this should have been going. Mm Mm-hmm. I was, like, crushed when it was like, oh, they, they, because the thing that they always talked about, and we've talked about this before, I don't want to talk about this for six hours, but they have said, Chevy Chase has said multiple times that his hope was always that they would do Swiss Family Griswold, and that they would do, like, they were on a cruise and they got stranded on an island, which, like, as a person who loves that stuff, like, Swiss Family Robinson, mm-hmm. totally here for that, even though I haven't oh, watched that movie since I was, And when's like, the last six. time you went on that attraction, and did that, I used the word loosely, no, I, attraction. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to waste my time in a theme park by doing a stupid walkthrough, but like the Swiss family Robin, like people stuck on an Island is extremely my shit as the kids like to say. So the fact that it'd be like Chevy and Bev and the kids and somehow Eddie would be there, of course, like drinking out of a coconut. Delightful to me. Totally delightful. Uh, I wish honestly, if Swiss family Griswold, I feel like they should have started. They should have called these movies Griswold family vacation. Yeah. Because then you have that, leeway to the griswold family wedding and the griswold like that like then you have that leeway right yeah i also feel like you could have figured like some you could have figured it out somebody could have spent an hour and come up with a way to put vacation and wedding into the title of a movie and it would have been fine but anyway i just it was like oh man that was so totally what the final chapter would have been obvious like one of the kids is getting married the fights the parents over yeah probably audrey she never got anything to do anyway but it's like you know, it's Audrey's wedding. But then that's also Everybody's the whole, like, the societal idea that the f- bride's family pays for it. Absolutely. And so yep. because he's paying, he's like, I have all these ideas. Yes. We're going to do a fireworks maybe, display. Yes. Yes. And then Eddie comes in and, of course, ruins everything. And he has to fight with Eddie. And, like, I just love all this stuff. And it was like, man, what a big bummer. Because I haven't seen I didn't that, even see that most movie. recent one. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. And, like, I would watch it if it was, like, on cable or whatever, on a streaming service, obviously. I don't have cable. I just said that. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking about, like, I'm going to be home at at our parents' house for, like, a week soon. And it's like, oh, you know, (laughs) there will be cable. Maybe that movie will be on it. But I I think that movie – and I like John Francis Daly, and I can't remember his name of his writing partner, but I – I was going to say Ed Helm is in it, but – He's the guy, yeah, but uh, John Francis Daly wrote it and I think also directed it. And they've written some stuff I liked and I, I like him. But the scene to me where they like fundamentally don't get the vacation comedy is they have the scene where the dad is flirting with the woman in the car. And the punchline to it in the vacation reboot is the car like careens into a bridge abutment and explodes. I don't like that. That's not funny. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like the, like they're kind of flirting, and he looks away and looks back, and she's lost control of her car, kind of thing. It may be funny in the moment of the movie. I'm not describing it to its that, best. But like thing. that's like the Family Guy version of the joke. Exactly, 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 exactly. It's not the right tone. Like the tone is like the dad is a bumbling idiot, and let's all enjoy that. Which like which Ed Helm like, is a great uh, choice for that 
Absolutely. And I also feel like that is a real thing that Disney still leans into, into their marketing of like, if you look at the things for sale in a Disney theme park, there's like a contingent of merchandise, which is for like, oh, goofy dad. Or you know, grumpy dad. I feel like that's, yeah, a little bit grumpy, a little bit doofusy. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, I was really sad that we never got destination wedding vacation because, man, that's so perfect. Mm-hmm. And you could bring back Gene Krakowski to be uh, cousin. <sighs> I don't remember her name. I never do. But she's she's the one who. She's not in this one. No, she's not. Her character yeah. is the one who's in rehab. Right. Uh also, unrelated to the movie itself, the Blu-ray transfer of this movie looks like a steaming turd pile. You think? It's awful. Why? It's like there's so much noise. And like when there's scenes of like Chevy against a white wall, the white wall looks like it's alive and covered in bugs. It's I didn't terrible notice that. looking. It's so wiggly jiggly. Huh. It's such a bad transfer. Um, um, The next chunk here is his very... I love that it's such a weird, specific, and detailed job. Like, they flushed out his job. Oh, yeah. This one, I think you get more of his food preservative chemical stuff than any of the other movies. Arguably Vegas, because Vegas opens with him explaining that the milk is 10 years old and the cookies are, like, whatever. Right. Uh, But that's it. It's that one 30 seconds of him being, like, 7-year-old cookie, 10-year-old milk, and then it moves on. This, you're, like, in his office. They're talking about what he does. I feel like it fleshes it out a little better. It was cool because usually in these movies, it's like dad works in radio or dad's a businessman. Exactly. Yeah. And you get the Imperial March of the executives. Yeah. And it's like, you know, screw you, screw you. That guy sucks, which I, you know, I enjoy Chevy doing his little bit there. Mm -hmm. Um, The underwear scene is here. But I I, before we talk about that, the other thing I want to talk about with the vacation movies in general which I, I didn't notice, I don't think, consciously until watching it for the show. This is the 35th time I've seen this movie or whatever. I think what ultimately makes these work is Clark and... Uh, Ellen. Uh, thank you. God. And Rusty and Audrey, like, they all like each other. That's what it is. I, was, I wrote, they feel like a real family. Right. And they feel like a family that likes each other because not everybody is lucky enough that that is true, that they like their It's very Bob's Burgers. Like, yes, it is. It is exactly that where it's like the only reason all of this works is because, you know, like they like each other under normal circumstances and you can feel it so that when they get thrust into these insane circumstances, you one, understand why they are like, well, we're all in this together. And two, like they don't go crazy when their dad flies off the deep end because it's like, well, this is rare for him. This is not his permanent state of existence. Even though based on the movies we see, this is exactly it does seem to be. But like. That's the understanding. It's like there's a, there was a show Gravity Falls on Disney, um, which was a great cartoon Twin Peaks thing. And it was about two twins. And uh, the creator of the show is like, the hardest thing I ever did with when we brought in new writers was they would pitch stories. They're like, and the twins hate each other. And he was like, no, start again. That's not the point. They like right. each other. Right. Yeah. And that's like as a creator, like you have to kind of fundamentally know it. And I feel like that is the part that John Hughes does so well is like 
whatever happens, they like each other. And that is where we're always coming from and where we're going to and where we're starting from. Whenever these things happen, it's like you said it exactly right. It's like we only see Clark at an 11, but most of his day-to-day existence is at like a six, I'm guessing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he comes home, he has dinner, you know, they they have their normal television watching. He watches his Blackhawks or whatever, and it's fine. But when the whole family gets involved, he goes a little crazy, which is fine. That's what a lot of people do. Yeah. So this is where we go shopping, and we talked about this scene a little bit, but this is one of the most you know quoted scenes in the movie of, oh, it's a titbit nipply. And, in the normal uh, world. I would say in our family, there are a lot of there are a lot more quotes from this movie that the rest of the world doesn't pull. <laughs> yes. Uh certainly think that's true. Um uh, I would say the most iconic scene of this movie is the turkey, but certainly the one that is probably quoted the most is it's a titbit nipply. Mm-hmm. Uh but I my favorite of this is when like she's pulling up her skirt to show him, like, look, it has a really high line and you don't see it. And he's like intently staring at this woman's mostly naked thigh, and then Rusty sidles up next to him and he's like, see Rust, the, you can't even see the line. And then he realizes what he has done and then immediately is like, we gotta get out of here. Yeah. Uh, and this is, there are like four different pitches of doorbell in this next scene when the grandparents yes. arrive and it's beautiful because each family member is doing something else when they like hear the doorbell and freeze and they're like, oh no. Yeah. Um, and I also get, like, they're retired and they probably don't have anything better to do. But, man, like, whose idea was it to do a whole week together with their parents? Both sets of parents, both living there. Too much. And then we don't see this uh, pay off until later. But Juliet Lewis is, like, really annoyed that she has to share a bed with her brother. Uh, and then we later see that the grandparents, the one set of grandparents is in bunk beds. I, th- I thought that, too. And I never noticed <laughs> that before now. I was like, why did they and not... It's like, wouldn't that be the much more logical choice to put the two kids in there? Well, I think it's because the twi- the kids were sharing a twin bed. It looked like, oh, I, it looked like a small. Okay. It didn't look maybe a full bed, but it was not like a queen or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess that would make sense. They were kind of squished in there. Uh, and it's like so, a, it's like any movie stock floor, like stock trading floor. When they come in the door, it's just quick close ups of everyone yelling at the camera. And everyone trying to get a kiss and a hug and all that stuff and everyone being like frustrated by it and, and annoyed with the grandparents, which I feel like is like very, very with the what we later see of these people feels very appropriate. Very par for the course. So they start to decorate the house, the outside, and we get one of my favorite props in this movie, which is the he holds the, he's holding a string of lights and he pulls it out of a box and it's just a, a solid ball. Yeah, like uh, the size of a basketball of woven. No, it's bigger than that. Oh, is it? It's like a beach ball. Yeah, yeah. Of like interwoven uh, string lights. It's great. Yeah, some PA had a real grand old time making that thing. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, they were like, hey, uh, we want to use those lights. So untangle all that. (laughs) I sure hope not. And he shed one tear. Also, Patrick Bateman would definitely hang out with these neighbors. Oh, for sure. They're like the when I love the set design and the the clothing design for these characters because it's so perfectly in sync that like you go inside this guy's house and it's an uncomfortable white leather and black leather couch with a glass coffee table and a really expensive stereo like you know and there's all, several flat mirrors in this house it's all angles mm-hmm. they got flat some mirrors horizontal mirrors i should say for cocaine oh oh, oh okay. there are several okay. horizontal I mirrors like, <laughs> i said flat I was like, but i meant horizontal <laughs> 
I was like, um, I'm not an expert, but what, what you talking about? Flat mirrors. As opposed to carnival funhouse mirrors, you know. Yeah, I was like, I don't have any curved mirrors in my house. Does that make me a rich boy? I thought that was like the standard mirror. Yeah, you know there's several cocaine mirrors around this house. Yes. Uh, and we cut to Clark across the street uh, working on his house, putting up the lights. And then he ends up falling and sending this huge chunk of ice across the way. And I like the little twist on the classic, like, icicle is a perfect murder weapon. Yeah, know? exactly. And the quote of the two neighbors when they find it is something me and my friend from college, Olivia, would say to each other constantly. Who I don't, It didn't matter who started it, but then the other person always knew to go, I don't know, Margo. <laughs> yes. They're perfect character names. I will, I will give much, much, much credit there. The mm-hmm. Todd and Margo are very perfect names for these two characters. So w- was this before? This would have been before Seinfeld, right? Because Seinfeld was like 93. Seinfeld started in 89. Did it really? She The first episode aired in 89 because it was like a one-off pilot thing. Mm. She didn't join the show until 1990, I don't think. Okay. So it was like right before. Yeah, right before Seinfeld broke. This probably filmed like a year before Seinfeld hit. Um, I also love the little moments with the grandparents. Like it's so obvious that uh, Ellen's parents hate him. Like, yeah, don't think he's good enough for their daughter. Think he's a huge turd. And like, they're clearly obvious. They, it seems like they're well off. A Very much. Yes. More than uh, Clark's parents who seem a little more homey. Yes. Yeah. He, he definitely seems to have earned a lot more than his parents ever did. And it's clearly not good enough for the other ones. But he's like, they're firmly upper middle class. Oh this my house God. is gigantic. They're he's not like as getting a bonus. They're not to- as well off as the as the McAllisters, but they're right. doing pretty well yeah. for themselves. Yeah, this is a John Hughes movie. So like everyone is doing fine. No one here is worried about putting their kids through college. Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, they also live in a world where doing- Christmas bonuses are a thing. Right, right. Um, so I think it's funny that uh, Bev's mom gives her shit for smoking when she smokes herself. Yeah, I like that. Do as I say, not as I do business. I, I, I guess because we never really did a house lights. Like we just did like the reindeer. Right. It's too much work. Yeah. It, well, we I asked to do it one year and dad was like, okay, but you got to help me put it up and take it down. And then after that, I never asked to do it again. And we did oh, lights. I don't have any memory of you it, doing it. It wasn't on the house. It was just w- the one tree in the front yard. The like okay. the not Christmas looking tree right when you yeah, walk out the yeah. front door. I was like, can you just put lights in there? And he like laughed because he knew I was going to do it once and then never asked yes. to do it again. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. I had a, a friend in high school who uh, his dad used to do it and then his dad had passed away and he kept up the tradition and it would take him like two days. Like two full weekend days, yes. like get up, start in 9 a.m., work until it's dark, and then do it all over again the next day. And it looked really cool. Like I loved – I love Christmas lights. I love driving by Christmas it lights. I, wonderful it's a to fun look at. thing for me. I would rather cut off a finger than do it. <laughs> like very much would rather cut off a finger. I did a freelance story a couple of years ago about these companies that will like come do it for you. I see, and they're, they're, they're I, thing- see, I see like road signs all the time for that. Okay. Um, these are like uh, the. It's basically what a bunch of uh, lawn care, tree care, uh, landscaping. Landscaping. Thank you. I was like, God, my my brain is not great today. Uh, but a bunch of landscaper guys have figured out as a, what to do to help make some money at the winter time, which totally makes sense. It's the same, you know, 
basic thing. It's, you know, aesthetics and whatnot. But I was talking to them about it and it's like, so what does this cost? And they gave me the price and it was like, you know, several hundred dollars to start with up to, you know, thousands of dollars, which totally makes sense. It's a crazy amount of labor. And they also like will use, the, they'll, you know, they'll put up the lights and they don't have to have, the, you don't have to own the lights and stuff in some of the cases, depending on what you pay. But I was like, that seems like a lot of money. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, I would never do the labor. So if I wanted to do that, I could see myself doing that as a one-time splurge for sure. Like, we're mm-hmm. going to have the craziest Christmas house. Um, I wouldn't because I don't make that kind of money, but no. that would be pretty cool. This is where we get the scene I was talking about where, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. Yes, and it's ruined the very expensive stereo system as well. As a kid, I did not know what that was. I didn't know that was supposed to be a stereo. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's just electronics, I guess. Right, right. So this is where we see the grandparents in the bunk beds, like everyone's gone to sleep. And then the following morning, Clark gets stuck in the attic and watches the movies. Well, no, you missed the first lighting attempt. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, that's what I was talking about. The the in-laws hate him because the they're just like so sniping at him of like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's great. And meanwhile, Clark's parents are like, eh, it's probably just one bad bulb, kid. It happens. And Don't then I love it. that. Aud- so Audrey is like, I hope no one drives by and sees me, you know, on the front lawn in my pajamas and like clearly doesn't like it. But as soon as the grandparents start shitting on her dad, she's like, he worked really hard on this. Yeah, it's like, I'm allowed to be upset, but you people didn't do anything. You but also, you he, stroll in for the week, smoke, take my bed, shit on my dad, get out. I could also see, now that we're talking about this, a world in which f- all of the extended family was staying with me for a week that I would probably figure out a way to be into putting up lights outside. Yes, exactly. Well, that's later, <laughs> a, like, that's later a joke that Bev is like, are you avoiding the family or are you actually working on the yeah. lights? Like I would, I could see that totally being a thing. Yeah. Um, so, yes. So he ends up stuck in the attic watching the home movies. Great rule and I, of three I have to s- with the boards. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, there's a couple scenes in the movie that drag a little bit to me. And it's where we start to get, like, sentimental. Because I'm I'm not 100% sure the movie earns these moments. But because they're here and because it's this Ray Charles song and because it's, like, the clickety-clack old home movies thing. It, I always it, like, like this moment. But I don't think it's honest. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it... I think that it knows exactly what chords to play to make you feel the feeling. But I don't think that it has earned the right to make you feel that way. Does that make sense? I suppose. I, you don't have to agree with me, but... Just I see, like what, that, I see you where you're coming from. But I... I okay. To me, it's it, it very much humanizes Clark. Because, uh, like we said, he spends these movies at an 11. And without these moments... Him losing his mind on his family doesn't feel the same. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. We also get the terrible wig in these home movies on his mom. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like yeah. straight out of the bag from Party City, shiny plastic. <laughs> she hit it with some dry shampoo, y'all. Well, it was never supposed to be seen in ultra high definition. So No, I'm even before, I remember looking at it like, that's really shiny hair. That looks like plastic. Just that's a, that's my pro tip. If you ha- if you get a wig and it's super shiny and plastic fake looking, just hit it with some dry shampoo, and it takes away the shine. <laughs> so he has this like sad little interlude trapped in the attic that ends with the uh, attic stairs getting yanked down and him falling through the floor, which I think is like perfect. the perfect way to get out of this real sappy moment. More lights, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that. Ellen is the one who figures it out is always a delight to me. Another rule of three. 
Yes. It's like, oh, the light switch in here with 52 plugs in it. That's obviously the answer. Um, but the I love the moment when the lights come on and it's just ridiculously bright with the neighbors like blinded and can't get out of their trapped in the bed and they fall on the floor. All this stuff really works for me. It's really solid, silly, slapsticky stuff. Um, as well as the part where they're initially not working and he just kicks all the reindeer all over the place. Yeah. Doris Roberts is doing so much work here in this scene. Like when he hugs her. Absolutely. Every facial expression is just like, are we done yet? Are you, are you still going to, are you still touching me? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I really like that where the, he's like going down the line. Like, I hope this makes your Christmas better. And I love the, like he starts talking to Eddie and doesn't realize he's talking to Eddie. And is like, I hope this makes your Christmas wonderful. And it's like, by God, that's cousin Eddie's music. I, what did, I used that reference on something. Well, my boyfriend and I were watching something. Oh, we were watching. It was the latest season of American Horror Story, 1984, which turned out to be one of the best seasons American Horror Story has ever done because it was only nine episodes and they didn't have time for fat. Ah. Um, but this one character came back and I turned to Jack and went, back out. That's, I don't know, that's Brooks music. And he was like, what? And I was like, never mind. <laughs> I've given you a brain worm. <laughs> Um, I also like it's one of those things you only notice on the 35th viewing when you're taking notes about the movie uh-huh. but there's like a real odd moment where they're they're like talking about the dog's dong and like there's a close-up of almost every one of these characters looking at a dog penis mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very weird moment in this movie also I feel like if you take cousin Eddie and his family and you add the Reba McIntyre couple from Tremors you get the Krampus cousins. Yeah, that's pretty close, I would say. It's the guy from The Office, right? Whose name I'm blanking on. David Keckner is the one from Krampus. Yes, that's what what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I still can't believe Mom likes that movie. (laughs) It's very odd that she does. I also like the line that Eddie tells uh, Catherine to get the rubber sheets and the gerbils Mm -hmm. to bring inside. Because just the idea of... Two adults, two children, a dog, and more than one gerbil in the RV is just like the smell, guys. The smells. There's no way that that is ever going to not smell. In, in particular, when we find out just a day later that the shitter was close to full because it got full and had to be emptied. So just the stink. Ugh. The stink van. That is what that thing is. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am now. <laughs> yeah. Then we cut to inside, and there's a really great visible dicky on Cousin Eddie. Uh-huh. Which is a thing that has fallen so far out of public consciousness that the joke is even... It's, like, even odder now. Like, I yeah. don't know. Like, I've never I've never had a dicky. I've never I been feel like you one. might have as a child. Maybe. I really hated turtlenecks, and I still do, so I would be surprised. Well, you were a vomiter. <laughs> yeah, so I'd that's get probably too hot, and then I'd throw up. Well, no, yeah, it was also well, it was the choking. It, it, it was the problem yeah. the choking that you were like, Wah. yeah, I, I do, <laughs> I do not like the sensation of something around my neck. Like when I when I was a kid and I played goalie, they made us start wearing neck guards, and I just refused like to wear brace? it because basically, yes, it was like a padded thing that you would wear around, but like they're supposed to be tight so that they're functional and i hated it so i ended up getting this dangly piece of plastic that hung off my helmet to serve the same purpose but i was like i cannot wear this neck guard fair 
it is supposed to protect you from getting your throat slashed if you're playing ice hockey. But as I wasn't playing ice hockey, that wasn't. I was. A I was going to ask if it was a, a a slashing or a puck hit thing. I mean, it would probably help you on a direct puck hit, but it was more to protect you from getting your carotid sliced. Okay, fair. But yeah, I I never had a, that I'm aware of. I never had a dicky. I don't like. I still don't wear turtlenecks. Like I won't. I won't. Do I it. have one that's like. It's like a loose turtle, like it's sort of a cowl neck turtleneck. So it's like a little tight for a cowl, a little loose for a turtleneck. It's somewhere in between. Yeah. Even wearing a tie, a look that I like, I do not care for. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we cut to uh, Clark giving his boss a gift, only to see that there are 15 other identical gifts on the yeah. table already. Really excellent set design gag. I also think that uh, part of what helps this along so much is the Brian Doyle Murray performance as the boss. Uh huh. For sure. He's got he's got the right energy of like an asshole, but and like the when voice. he comes, yes. But when he gets redeemed later, like you buy it, mm-hmm. like he has the gravitas to sell that moment. Now, what are you? He, really good performance. Do you know him from anything other than this? Yeah, dude. He's Bill Murray's brother. Okay, so I literally, I know his voice because he did voice work for a Disney Channel show, uh-huh. and that's like it. I know that in this movie. I, he was also uh, the guy who owned Noah's Arcade in the Wayne's World movie. It's when been so Wayne, long since I've seen that movie. When the when the uh, show gets a corporate sponsorship, it's him being like, it's cool, it's hip, it's Noah's Arcade. And I just have always uh, remembered that. But isn't he also in Ghostbusters? I don't remember, but he played. I'm almost positive. He played like the mayor's. So it was a TV show about child superheroes. It was a cartoon show about child superheroes, and he played like the mayor's assistant who hated them. Okay. And so he was always like, "You stupid kids." I mean, he's definitely been in a zillion things. Caddyshack, which I forgot about until I just looked at it. Groundhog Day. Um, he's had he had a period. Scrooge, which we'll get to on this show someday. I have not uh, seen that he, movie. He also really. Yeah. All right. He's in Ghostbusters 2, so I think he's also in Ghostbusters 1. Uh, was an SNL player for a time. I'm oh, not really? sure exactly how long. Yeah. In that weird uh, period? <laughs> the, I think he was in the No Lorne period. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I'm not 100% certain of that. Um, but he also had a little bit of uh, the Hallmark Christmas run. It was in a movie called Christmas Under Wraps and then The Flight Before Christmas. My f- so I recently rediscovered one of those movies that I that I had watched years ago, and to mm-hmm. me it is the best version of stupid Christmas movie. It's a it was it's an ABC Family movie called Holiday in Handcuffs, starring Melissa Joan Hart and Mario Lopez. She wowzers kidnaps him at a diner because her boyfriend dumped her and her family's expecting a man for Christmas, and she drags him all the way to this mountain. And then runs inside and tells her family, hey, he likes to do this bit where he pretends he's kidnapped. Just laugh along with it. Wow, that's truly psychotic. Holiday in Handcuffs. It's available for free if you have Comcast right now. Please watch it. It is exactly what I want out of my Hallmark Christmas movies. He played Juliet's grandpa on Psych. Oh, he did. You ready to have your mind blown? Sure. Are you afraid of the dark? Guess how far apart in age he and Bill are. Uh, three years. Okay. Well, you did the thing that is the most annoying thing. You're supposed to say something very obviously wrong. Oh. Uh, five. 
Okay. No, I feel like I feel like that happens nine times out of ten where you're like, you're not gonna believe this, and then the person gets it guesses within they like they they guess too too sanely, and you're like, well, that you've ruined my bit. Well, I would have <laughs> if you hadn't prefaced with that. I would have guessed that he was like ten years older than Bill. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Five years apart. Um, but yeah, he has he's been in 135 things. Wow. So yeah. Oh, actually, I lied. He was on SNL 78 to 82, so that was probably overlapped with his brother for a portion of those. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so they go sledding, and uh, it's... Classic scene. Clark shows off his uh, super Teflon, essentially. Yeah. And it's it, a food lubricant. Non-caloric food lubricant. Yes. Um, which, like, that... so. That feels like not something he he would. That doesn't feel like his job purview, because he's creating like cereal varnishes that yes. like make your cereal not get soggy. Which I would invest right. in. It's a hundred percent all chemicals, but I would invest. Well, this feels to me similar to the cereal varnish. I guess um, it just seemed more like Teflony. Oh, it, it it definitely is. Also, he is not in Ghostbusters one, but he is in Ghostbusters two. Okay. Um. It's a great, like, extended sequence of him, like, sliding around. A lot of, like, close-up green screen shots of uh, Chevy Chase swirling on a, on a saucer. And then, uh, I feel like Dad quotes this a lot when Cousin Eddie just looks at the camera and goes, Bingo. Yes. Uh, I also noticed in watching this in high definition that you can see the both the rails to guide the saucer and the hook or the eye hook that they have the rope attached to to drag the guy around yeah i noticed that too which i'm sure you could see in the theater but you definitely could not see in a fuzzy vhs transfer oh god no but much like the scarecrow's revolver in the wizard of oz what yes the scarecrow there's a scene in the wizard of oz where the scarecrow is holding a gun and nobody remembers it because it was oh yeah obvious in the vhs transfer we all watched because it was he had the gun and then the Tin Man had a, like, bug sprayer, and the, the Cowardly yes. Lion had a net. Yes. There's also, uh, we after this uh, sledding scene, we go to Clark's office, and there's so many, like, odd bits of food around that are presumably, like, test subjects. But there's, like, a stray slice of pizza and some, like, they look kind of like meatballs. And it's just, like, I wonder if this is just, like, a 10-year-old piece of pizza he's working on. Probably. Yeah, and we find the bonus hasn't come yet for the other people, for anyone in the office. And then uh, this is also a staple, the uh, the sexy lady dream sequence of the vacation movies, yes. right? Yes. Yep. Yep. It was uh, Claudia Schiffer in the pool. Wasn't it? In the first I thought one? it was Christy. Brinkley. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Not Claudia Schiffer. Wrong person. Um, Claudia Schiffer, I believe, is the gal in Wayne's World. I think you're right. I forgot that the uh, the pool woman was also the department store woman. I forgot that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's always this, like, woman he has these, like, really long, absurd fantasies about that he met in passing. Uh, There's this, like, I think the pool, then he talks to Eddie's daughter, who's like, hey, we don't get Christmas. And he's like, oh, my gosh, we have to get Christmas for these kids, which is really nice, but is, like, a little bit too long and, again, a little bit too sentimental for me in the vacation movie. See, again, I think you're 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 go ahead. It's enough gravitas because, like, I feel like. It's like it's like when you make a good mix mix CD or playlist, you want a good up down balance. Like you don't want to go all up, and because then you crash. You have a nice up down up down. And you have these few dips of like. This is sincerity. literally the opposite 
this is the opposite philosophy you've had on mixtapes slash playlists in your life. I just want to point out, this has always been my philosophy. The W is the perfect method for a mixed CD, playlist, etc. You start high, you come down, you slightly peak, you go back down, and then you run to the finish. You used to be like, no, I want a plateau at 11, baby. All 11 like, all the way across. I will admit there's times when I do that. I'm like, I'm going to play this. It's going to be this one song. It's just going to get get us all up there over and over again. But for the most part, I think you need to good like Sia's Christmas album is great because it's a it's a great mix of like we're decorating Who's? the tree. Sia, oh, uh, her Christmas album it's all originals and there's a good a good blend of like peppy happy we're having a Christmas party songs and then like let's sit by the fire and drink cocoa and have a a sweet moment just the two of us songs. Yeah, I just feel like this is a movie series in which two episodes ago they tied a dog to a bumper and dragged it to death and a woman on the roof a dead woman on the roof yes it's like i just feel like this is a little bit too sweet for this for this universe and it's fine i get it it's a holiday movie it needs to be sappy inherently i just was like eh, this is a bit much for me then we get the classic shitter was full uh, what really kills this uh, is another detail you, again, you only notice taking notes. Randy Quaid is wearing this. Well, the robe is great, but what makes the robe better is the fact that he has pulled up high black dress socks and black, shiny black like dress shoes. I'm sure they're not oh, actually dress shoes. I always but thought he was like, wearing, in my mind, I picture him wearing like boots. No, they're they're like nice dress shoes. It's it clearly is the nicest pair of shoes he owns because he's wearing them all week for it being Christmas and he's wearing all these like leisure suits that he clearly has owned for a very long time because they're all tight as hell. But he's wearing his like formal shoes and formal socks, presumably the one pair of each that he has. No shade. I only have one pair of dress shoes, too, but I more than one pair of socks. But that is what kills it. It's like the floppy hat, the bathroom's too short, and also his shoes are absurd for this situation. Like yeah. he's wearing dress shoes to pump a toilet. That's such a, I've I've seen people wear that costume and I always forget about it, but that'd be such a simple, great, effective costume. Absolutely, yeah. Did someone wear that to your party a thousand years ago? No, that was the, somebody came as the dude from the Big Lebowski. Thank you. I was like, I remember there being uh, a bathrobe involved. Uh, we get the, I think, probably the very first ever example of a Jim from The Office look to camera on film from Beverly D'Angelo. One of the early ones, for sure. She says, he's holding out for a management position, and then just stares down the barrel of the camera. Yeah. It almost seems like it would have been a mistake, but it's very funny. Then we get a really great bit here where Uncle Lewis and Aunt Bethany arrive, and she hands Clark this box that turns out to have the cat in it. And like, obviously there isn't a cat in this box, but the way that he's doing the bit, I'm wondering if there's anything at all, or if it's just Chevy, like manipulating the box. I think, I think there had to be something in it because an empty, like even just like an uneven weight. Yeah. I think it was like an uneven weight kind of thing because it, it you, he's holding it by a ribbon, which is just basically a right. center fulcrum. So it's not, you don't have a lot of control over it. So I think if he had something to slide back and forth, you're going to get that. Like even a couple ball bearings just to give it a little. Yeah, weight. yeah. But it's all really good where it's like the cat, you know, and like freaks out in the box. It's just delightful. All of these moments where he almost drops the cat are very funny. And the jello mold is also wrapped up as a present. I love uh, Eddie eating it off of Ellen's finger is so disgusting. The fact that they're brother and sister and he tries to kiss they're her. They're not brother and sister. It's her brother-in-law. Her oh. sister is Catherine. Yes. Okay. I totally thought 
Okay. Makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we had a very funny moment where I was watching uh, with my girlfriend who was like, well, whose parents are these? I'm like, they're not. This is Uncle Lewis and Aunt Bethany. And it's like, so they're Eddie's parents? And I was like, no, Eddie's parents aren't there. And she's like, oh, so it's Eddie's wife's parents. I'm like, no, that's the same parents as Ellen. They're sisters. <laughs> <laughs> this is Uncle Lewis and Aunt Bethany. But why they is are not cousin Eddie, then? If he's- is she her cousin, Catherine? Maybe it's cousin Catherine. I'm going to have to look. I thought they were sisters. I did too, but then I realized he's Cousin Eddie. Yes, they do call him Cousin Eddie. I bet there's like a weird Griswold family tree. That Wikipedia, article, that Wikipedia page exists and you know it. Oh, I'm sure that it does. All right, where are we at here? Okay, all right, here we go. So it is Cousin Catherine. So they're cousins, okay. Yes. So then, is, is Aunt Bethany her parents? I don't think so, but it could be. It is not explained. They seem old. Yes, they seem very old. Yeah, you are correct that it is the cousin Catherine. I read the first Vacation movie explains it clearly, and we just don't remember. And the other one that was Jane Kierkowski is uh, Cousin Vicky. Cousin Vicky, okay. Yes. Oh, it's weird, because they bring an aunt over in Krampus, too, don't they? Yeah, they do. The woman from Two and a Half Men and Edward Scissorhands is the aunt. And do we say Christy Brinkley? We did say Christy Brinkley. Okay, I just want to make sure we were right about that now that I'm looking at this. Because you said Claudia Schiffer, and it was Christy Brinkley. Yeah. Also, uh, Cousin Catherine is the voice of uh, Grandma Longneck in the Land Before Time movies. Shut up. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I I quote Aunt Bethany all the time. Also, I can quote this whole movie tip to tail. Yeah, it's pretty close for me. I was doing it to my, my... I was like, I hope I'm not annoying you, boyfriend, that if I'm just saying lines either right before they happen... You were. You were. That is the most annoying thing a person could do. If you opt to watch something... If I'm watching something for the podcast, there's no rules. Just right. It's Outback. I'm just saying. I'm going to pause to take you, notes. I'm going to steal you were jokes. Curious, if you were curious if that was annoying, the answer is 1,000%. I'm going to steal your jokes, I'm going to pause to take notes, and I'm going to quote things if I like the movie. It's fine. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying you're very annoying. Um, Because they want Aunt Bethany to say Grace, and she goes, Grace, she passed away 30 years ago. Right. And then she, what is she, is it the Pledge of Allegiance? Pledge of Allegiance? She pledges allegiance here, and then she sings the National Anthem at the end. Thank you. Um, so she uh, pledges allegiance, that's her grace, and everyone's kind of confused and plays along. And then we get the turkey that looks like an alien from Independence Day. Yes, it really does, this, like, opening thing. I would love to see, I would read an article that was, like, an oral history of the making of that prop. I want a behind-the-scenes prop of, like, making for this whole movie. Absolutely, yeah. This is a scene that, like, I know everyone, most people have seen, have watched this movie, Watch this scene of them of going around the table watching everyone eat the gross turkey ten times, and each time pick a new person to watch because each person is doing everything. Yes, Beverly Jandro is my favorite, where she scoops up a piece of the turkey and then whips it over her shoulder and then still puts the fork on her mouth and is like, "Mmm." But there's also a scene right before that where she's, like, putting more onto her plate, which I find so funny. She's trying to like, get it on the fork, the, like, two-tying fork right. thing. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then there's a scene where, uh, right across from her, 
Clark's mom is taking a strip of dried turkey and just dunking it and stirring her water with it. <laughs> yeah. Like trying to soften it up. There's so much going like watch this scene 10 times cuz it's so worth it. It really is. It really is really great. I also love Bev's Christmas Eve outfit. It's this like dark green circle skirt that like flares out and, a, and like an old style like 80s lady uh power blouse. Yeah. She's like ready for Christmas Eve and the shenanigans. um their tree has both colored and white lights did you notice that yeah yeah i also like that we go from like the dog choking to uh the cat Mm -hmm. issue like it's just like the pet interlude is what this next title should be (laughs) a pet movement yeah so the cat gets zip zapped and uh they take the chair outside (laughs) and there's a beetlejuice sewer just like reminding you that that's there. Aha! Uh-huh. It's just mystery. It's also like a Ghostbusters sewer, mm-hmm. especially if if you have seen by now. I'm sure the trailer for the new one. It is the same green glowy effect they're using in that trailer. And then Uncle Lewis destroys the Christmas tree with a fireball. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. It is, but also like this is the moment when I would be like, turn to mom and be like, I apologize for everything I'm about to do, and then turn- <laughs> get. Out! Yeah, and then just like <laughs> scream and lose my mind. Yeah, because it's so funny to me that he the opposite happens where they're trying to leave and he's like, absolutely not. It's like, you know what? See y'all later. I'm gonna get drunk alone. Yeah, Bev trying to hold everything together is my favorite because she's she's like the secret captain of the ship. Oh, for sure. She's the one who's like. She's always been the captain of the ship. Let's all go in the other room and finish dessert. Come on, come on, come on. Everything's going right. to be fine. Dad's not going to freak out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yes, he is. He's definitively going to freak out. Um, so he chops down the neighbor's tree. And it's great because you see him with a with a chainsaw. And there's a great moment where Johnny Galecki goes up. And he's like, Dad, I've been thinking. <laughs> and he just revs the engine. He's like, good talk, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Really good little bit of comedy from him in this. Um, and then this is one of my favorite moments. And it, like it's so tiny and so small. When he's outside with his with his chainsaw, it's on the front porch. It's uh, Bev, uh, Juliet Lewis, and Johnny Galecki. And Bev's in her full outfit, fabulous outfit, holding a cup of eggnog. And she's like, Clark, turn that off and get back in the house. And takes one sip of the eggnog and then just tosses the whole glass into the bushes. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's so stupid, but I love that moment. There are a a bunch of really great moments in this, like, 10 to 12-minute sequence, but I will say that, like, I have always felt that this is, like, too many hats. Like, it's the dog choking, and then the cat, and then the cutting the tree, and then the the tree gets set on fire, and then we cut down a new tree that breaks the neighbor's window, and then the squirrel's in it. It's just, like... If you drop the squirrel, I'd be fine. Right, or just drop one of these things. It's like this is too many. This is too many hats. You're just wearing three hats, and it does, none of this looks good. And th- like each of them individually is funny. I just yeah. think it's too much in one pot of gumbo, as it were. And because you get a great moment of the neighbors talking quietly, drinking Christmas Eve margaritas, which like sign me up for Christmas Eve margaritas. Hell yeah! Oh, I'm sorry. We skipped Jelly of the Month Club. I thought I wrote my notes wrong. Because I have specific notes about the Jelly Month Club scene, and then I have Bev's Porch Cup Toss, Christmas Eve Margaritas. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. 
Well, everybody knows about Jolly of the Month Club. I don't know how much we can add to the discourse of Jolly of the Month Club. Um, I will say there is one little moment here that I hadn't noticed before, despite having seen this movie 32 times, where there's like a close-up on Eddie when Clark's like, well, tell you what, if there's one thing any of you want to get as a last-minute gift for me, it's uh-huh. my boss. And there's a moment where it shows his face and it's like, oh, like okay, they, I could They do almost that. could have animated a, a thought bubble with right. the boss. Um, but that moment also has my other favorite Julia... I almost said Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Juliette Lewis moment where he's uh, he's like, hey, with this bonus, I'm putting in a swimming pool. If there's enough left over, I'm flying you all back. And it pans this like happy, happy crowd. And there's just Juliette Lewis being like, they're coming back. <laughs> I missed that, but I'll have to keep an eye out next yeah. time. Her face is just so fallen. Where's the Tylenol? Then the squirrel gets loose. It goes on for way too long. He wants to catch it in his coat and hit it with a hammer. What ends up happening is it runs all over the house with a dog. Julia Dreyfus opens the door because she's pissed about all the noise and the tree and all the everything. And the squirrel mauls her. And then the dog mauls her. Yes. And then she goes home and punches Todd in the face, which is quite satisfying and mm-hmm. hilarious. But yeah, they're doing Christmas Eve margaritas. And I have to say, here for that idea. Yeah. No, it's 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 a good move. At uh, this point, we get Clark getting a pep talk from his dad where he reveals that the secret to this Christmas being happy when Clark was a kid is that his dad was hammered, which mm-hmm. I find very funny. Um, also, did you notice the music during the squirrel chase scene almost seemed Danny Elfman-like? It does have a real Danny Elfman uh, quality to it. Be- very Beetlejuicy. Yeah. Um, and this is where everyone's trying to leave, and he's like, no one's leaving. Nothing can get worse. Right. Which, like, fair. Yeah. I looked up the person who scored this movie just because you had said it, and he's most famous for scoring David Lynch's movies, which explains why so much of this movie feels like a horror movie. Yeah. He did all of Twin Peaks and Blue Velvet and Mulholland Drive. There you go. So Eddie kidnaps the boss man and brings him back, and sassy Beverly D'Angelo, when the boss is like, I've never retreated like this, she's like, well, it's our family's first kidnapping, which is a lie. That's right. It is they not their kidnap- first kidnapping because they kidnapped right. John Candy. Yeah, they did. They did kidnap John Candy. That's really funny. And they also kind of kidnapped the grandma. And then they also, don't they kidnap Michael Payton or uh, the other python in European vacation? Don't they briefly kidnap one of the pythons? No, no. he's just, no, he's they just hit him. They hit they him hit with, with a car. car. They don't kidnap yeah, him. Yeah, okay. okay. But yeah, the way she says it's our family's first kidnapping is like yeah. so sassy. Yeah. Uh, I also love it's, you know, you don't necessarily notice it the first 27 times you watch this, but it's so funny to me that they're all like sitting around the house in full suits. Like the men are all wearing three piece like suits, ties done fully up. And it's just like, I'm so glad I don't live in an era where that's expected. I mean, I get I get it from the older, like the grandparents. Like it makes sense that a grandparent would wear like a nice suit. Yeah, but it's everybody. Yeah. Well, Cousin Eddie's wearing a leisure suit. I don't think that counts. But it's still, I think that counts as a suit. He's got a vest under there. I'm just saying it's not very comfortable. So he tells the boss off because he lived in a world where Christmas bonuses were a thing. Right. Uh, and then the boss has a change of heart from the big speech, which is nice. Yeah. Add 20% to your bonus, which is like, damn. Uh, yeah, that's a big bonus. Um, he, I also, he also, Especially if he initially knew his bonus was big enough for a pool. a Because like, he said I put a $7,500 deposit down, which like, right. that means that's probably about the bonus. At least, if not more. And the boss has a great moment of like, it's little people like you. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, get that knife in there. 
then the cops all show up and make them freeze. A and full I, SWAT uh, team. Yes. Well, it's the richest guy in town. Yeah. But uh, Beverly D'Angelo's hand is on Chevy's crotch. It's my favorite moment. And I, I noticed it like five years ago. And it's my favorite like fun fact for people. She's like touching his crotch. She shakes the hand and then she puts the hand back on his crotch, which is welcome just to, to me. Stares at the cops, moves the hand. Welcome to our home. Shakes uh-huh. it and shake, puts shake. it back. Back on the dong. Apparently she did it in one take and hoped that it would make it into the movie. Oh, really? That's awesome. According to IMDb. So take that however you will. Uh, I also love that the police chief immediately switches sides. Like, So does the guy's wife. Fights. The guy's yeah. wife is like, you <laughs> cut Christmas bonuses, you cheap piece of shit. Yeah, but the wife says you cheap piece of shit. And the police officer says, if I had a rubber hose, I'd beat you with it. It's a little bit different. True. Tonally. And so, he, so I was like, it's cool in this universe that everyone th- everyone's on board with Christmas bonuses. Right, right. Uh, then we go outside, and there's the big gas explosion from the sewer. And uh, which launches, Yeah, which launches Santa into the sky, and Aunt Bethany starts singing the Star Spangled Banner. And then that leads to, like, a big party inside. Like, the, all these SWAT team people who destroyed their house are, like, singing Christmas carols and drinking eggnog There's together. not much like, left of the house, so why not? N- but, like, presumably they have families to get home to? It's Christmas Eve, isn't it? Yeah, Eve. But, I mean, if they're yeah. working Christmas Eve anyways. I suppose. But, yeah, that's the uh, that's the end of the movie. Uh, final thoughts? It's such a good movie. It holds up so well. It's so funny. Where do you put this in the vacation uh, ranking system? Um, I think it's my favorite. I do, I do too. Uh, I, I really like top. the original movie. But they're very close. I haven't watched the original one in a long time. This one, because I am a notorious holiday movie hater, gets a lot of bonus points for me for being one that I like can totally tolerate and enjoy watching. Yeah. I feel like it would be Christmas, regular, Vegas, Europe. Yeah, that's exactly how I would put them. With like a really wide gap after the first movie and Vegas, and then an also really wide gap between European. Yeah, it would be like original... Two blank spaces, Vegas. Five blank spaces, yeah. Europe. I might put I put my I might put more than two in that first gap, but something like that, two or three. Yeah, it's a fun movie. It holds up. Really good performances all around. It is extremely sketchy. Like this movie is so perfectly made Sketch for cable. Comedy, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so perfectly made for cable or like watching with a hangover where you're gonna like fall asleep and wake back up because it's like each. Each segment of this movie is its own little short film, basically, that you could just like yeah. sleep Uploaded through. Uploaded to YouTube in like six, yep. six minutes. Yep, exactly. This movie is designed to be cut into commercial breaks, which is, you know, I'm sure why it has endured the way it did, because it had such a life on cable. But that doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. It's just an interesting artifact of, of watching this. But yeah, totally love this movie. Totally enjoy it. It's nice to be doing so many movies we like in a row here. Uh, both with Tango and Cash last episode, which I had never seen before and instantly is like my favorite. Uh, this, which is an all-time favorite. Die Hard, which is on the Patreon, all-time favorite. And then uh, next episode, which, uh, spoiler alert, is Return of the Jedi, which I'm really excited to, to take a look at. I ha- It was my favorite when I was a kid. Mine too. Um, which is probably because it had teddy bears in it. But Yep. Uh, <laughs> But I'm curious to see what it'll feel like now with I think I we will talk about this in that episode, but I think I'm over Star Wars. So I'm curious to see how it feels to rewatch. I haven't rewatched it yet. I haven't watched Rogue One, even though I've heard it's great. 
That was the, I liked Rogue One. The other ones have done very little for me, but they Star Wars has done even the original movies don't do a lot for me anymore. And we just went to which I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about on that episode. We just went to Galaxy's Edge in Disney World uh, over Thanksgiving, and that was super cool. But the whole time I kept being like, yeah, I don't know if I care about Star Wars. I think it's cool, anymore. but like, yeah. We'll talk about that then. You'll hear our thoughts on on that because this is a 80s movie podcast that occasionally is a theme park podcast. And I'll talk about my experience being in the musical parody version of Star Wars, New Musical Hope. Yeah. Yeah. We'll close out the Skywalker trilogy with what was initially the closing out of the Skywalker trilogy. Well, um, actually, thank- I think if we uh, talk about the biology of the, of the Jedi, I think it makes a lot more sense. I thought you were doing a different voice. Kermit. Not George Lucas. It was very Kermity, which is funny because I wanted to tell you that um, Frank Oz has a small part in Knives Out. And I was like, <gasps> oh, my God, that's Frank Oz. He's obviously much older now. And I was like, is that Frank Oz? And then he started talking and it sounded like Fozzie Bear. And I was like, yeah, that's definitely that's Frank, Frank Oz. Oz. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you can hear my thoughts on Knives Out in the upcoming uh, Bag of Soup Sentinel for December because I freaking can't wait to write about that movie. I just saw <laughs> it. Very excited to write some thoughts down. Um, so check all that out and the Die Hard episode, which I think will be up Christmas Day. Probably we will post when it's ready, but I think Christmas Day feels feels right to me. It's a uh, gift. Yeah. Um so patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s to get those details. Remember, you have, if you're listening to this, the day that came out, less than two weeks to get in on the $10 tier. If you want to do that, it goes away. The doors are closing. You must be inside. Don't forget to uh, rate and review the show if you haven't done that yet. I have a review to read here. Uh, this is five stars from Yana Frick. Absolutely love listening to these brothers every other week. Their comedic timing and encyclopedic movie knowledge makes listening fun and informative. It's always fun to listen, even when they review movies I've never seen before. They do an amazing job of catching me up on the plot while still making jokes and sprinkling in fun trivia facts about the movie. In fact, I've watched a couple of 80s movies based on their recommendation, and they did not disappoint. Pro tip, if you haven't seen the movie before, you should listen, then watch the movie, then listen again. You'll have a different POV for each listen, and it's like getting two podcast episodes for the price of one. That's really I like that. Super flattering that you're listening. Download to it, delete it, download it again. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. You cannot. You, I will say, you have to do two downloads in that instance. We will, we'll take the double download. Um, definitely recommend for anyone who enjoys '80s classics, movie trivia, or comedy in general. I can't wait for the day they do the never-ending story and maybe sing a Strangers Stranger Things style duet. Keep I always sing that voice. <laughs> I think if she, when we do that, I will be singing. I'm pretty sure she uh, is the one who put in the uh, request for that listener request month last year. So oh, yeah. Maybe maybe it'll come around again. Uh, certainly, certainly. Uh, yeah, you can resubmit. I look forward to. If, oh, if absolutely. If we didn't get you picked, you can put it yeah, back Yeah, I, w- I would hope that you would. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That'll be uh, probably June next year. But anyway, so patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s. Review the show wherever you get it. It's Christmas time. Give us the gift of your one-minute review. We really appreciate it, but do it. Get off your butt and do it. Uh, we will be back. Uh, or, or Sorry, gosh, I'm all over the place. Dissect the 80s on Twitter. Dissect the 80s on Facebook. Email dissectthe80s at gmail.com. Uh, 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T if you want to get in touch that way. Um, 
we will be back on December 30th, which is after the movie comes out, but uh, on December 30th to do Return of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi as our final movie for the year 2019. Until then, I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until December 30th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.